0: Now, if it wasn't for the man uh, we're about to talk about, we we might not have had that Sydney Opera House as we see it today, and we're not talking about Jernotzen or or Peter Hall, for that matter. Uh, the person we are going to address is Bill Lucas, a post-war Australian architect whose, whose name doesn't perhaps feature feature highly in our architectural recollection of that period, But it was Bill uh, who was a founding member of the group that lobbied for an international competition and jury that would go on to select that building in Sydney that we all know. And that's a little anecdote that says a lot about Bill Lucas's architectural philosophy. It's centred around collectivism, of of curiosity. It put aside that often prominent architectural attribute of self-promotion And his life and legacy are currently being reappraised by critics and and curators alike. Uh, And Bill's friends and colleagues, Peter Lonegan and Julie Cracknell, join us to, well, have a little poke about in that exhibition. Uh, Peter, Julie, welcome. Thank you. Julie, tell us, uh, his work, Bill Lucas, doesn't doesn't feature regularly in histories of a mid-century Australian architecture. Why why do you think that is?
1: Early on, he chose not to publish his work, mainly to protect his clients. So two of his buildings being the um, Glass House in Castle Crag that was published in the 1950s and the Ski Lodge at Threadbow. He didn't promote his work. He promoted his ideas but was happy to stay in the background and let others take on the work with his projects, and that was with Ruth. Lucas, his partner, he would bring people on board with him with every project. Often he'd work on schemes or designs and work them over and over and frustrate the clients that they would take on another (laughs) architect who did get credit for the work that Bill had done. But for Bill, that wasn't a concern. That wasn't part of his ideal. It was that there would be better building approaches with the Opera House, he started a bring back Woodson campaign, which people probably don't don't know that he started that as well, which evolved into a lot of rallies.
0: There's there's always a the thing of sort of architectural activism in in what he did. I wonder, Julia, you mentioned a, a pair of buildings there, Peter. I wonder if you could perhaps describe that architectural language for us that we see in the, in the Glass House and
2: the Threadbow Ski Lodge it's a, a very uh, pertinent question about an hour ago i found <laughs> i found a piece of paper uh, with a handwritten note from ruth lucas that sets out i suppose a, a rationale behind the glass house that says we didn't set out to design a house entirely of glass and would not in capital letters and underlined in this note recommend house designed of (laughs) glass, but but in this instance it suited the climate perfectly and the and the landscape because it was built in the trees and it's built up in the air and ruth said that it it functioned perfectly in summer and may need curtains in winter but (laughs) to to describe the the architecture of this house is um it, it kind of belies uh, description because it's it's essential you know it's 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 reduced to it to its essence uh, it's a structural frame it's clad in glass it's got a, a canopy style roof on top of it a courtyard in the middle and it's kind of like a floating donut. it was recently photographed by Brett boardman who described his experience photographing the house as though he was on a magic carpet ride uh, and that's That's very much what it's like, um, the experience being on the house. And then Moonbar, again, is archetypal. Let's say it's an A-frame. So the building is simply a triangle that's floating above the river in Pretbo. And in the snow, it looks fabulous in the summer. Dry, it looks. It looks incredible, but it's just this very, very simple A-frame building.
0: Yes, it is. It is a beautifully plain building, and, and magical in that landscape. Julie, you mentioned Ruth, Bill's wife, also an architect. Yes. How do, how did their careers intersect?
1: They both studied at University of Sydney. Both graduated and registered as architects in 1951. By 1957, she was one of 30 women who were architects in the Sydney branch of the Institute chapter, New South Wales chapter. One of the other ones being Florence Taylor, who was the first female architect in 1920. Ruth's father was a doctor and Ruth was quite well connected, so she tended to bring the clients. Mm. Um, She she travelled, worked in Helsinki and London, before they married, whereas Bill uh, stayed here and purchased three lots at Castle Crag, I think because he wanted to immerse himself in a, a suburb that was appropriately planned around bushland, rather than the, the raising and clearing of large areas, for subdivision, and a respect for Walter Burley Griffin and Marion Marnie. Yeah, Ruth. Ruth was influential in the practice, hmm. and there's evidence. Uh, while the the archive, Bill's archive is his, it shines a light on her because there's evidence of her being well ever present, really. Although she left the practice after six children and working with Bill, and um, retired, I suppose, repaired to the solace of the Blue Mountains.
0: For recovery, I imagine.
1: <laughs> but also staying connected. Yeah, I think that was fairly courageous. Yeah.
0: Peter, I mean, there's, there's much in, in Bill's work that's about making that, that sort of architectural eye accessible to as, as wide a number of, of people building as possible. And that takes us to his involvement with, with Boyd's Small Homes Service. Tell us about that, that time in, in Bill's
2: life. Well, I suppose it was it was running concurrently with um, Boyd's development, and and Bill seemed to be uh, running a kind of a Sydney version of um, of what Boyd's sort of practice and and civic outreach uh, was in Melbourne, in Sydney, and so um, Bill and Ruth and and probably Ruth more than Bill uh, were excited by a small the small homes competition that was run by, I think it was Grace Brothers and the Blacksland Gallery. Hmm. And there was a lot, of, a lot of work um evident in the in the archive uh, and mostly in Ruth's hand around this small low-cost housing uh, design. And Bill designed the exhibition at the Blacksland Gallery, which was to exhibit the the competition entries for this small homes, low cost housing uh, competition, and um, you can see the glass house in um, the in the in the entry that that Ruth prepared, but also uh, parts remnants of um, other houses. There was a house in Sylvania, the Kerns House, which um, Bill and Ruth designed and built in the. In 1954 and there's aspects of that house there but they had a very strong regard for climate and climate design with external timber louvers on windows and i suppose butterfly-shaped roofs internal courtyards protecting the um the home from the the ravages of the outside roads and noise and that sort of thing so um uh, it was it was experimental, very very different to to what um, the post war housing stock was seen to be, and certainly different to what most people were sort of looking for in terms of a, a home.
0: Well, another big difference is that ultimately he he stopped charging fees for his services.
2: Well, yeah, and um, I think that was more I suppose in the early well, early to mid seventies he decided. And he had this—he had this sort of this kind of sense of responsibility, in that he he'd received he was receiving a war pension, a war service pension. Uh, Bill was um, injured fairly dramatically in the, in the war and um, received a pension, got a war service home loan, and, uh, but in 1975 sort of announced that he wasn't going to take fees anymore, that he found his pension to be adequate to survive on and would provide architectural services for no fee from that point on. And for the next 25 years, he, he, he worked hard daily doing architectural projects and work and sharing ideas and bringing people together uh, in a in a range of of you might not say traditional architectural projects but in an architectural way with a with a design approach to problem solving
0: and, and we're blessed peter with with an extent, extensive archive
2: yeah um, so when when bill i suppose seized his conventional practice he set about organising his life's work, the preceding twenty-five years, and and then adding over the next twenty-five years to a stock of of material, drawings, books, forming a a a library where most of the most of the volumes he he got from library remainders or or um secondhand um, bookstores, and a and a pretty you know a pretty shabby collection of books but heavily underlined and highlighted <laughs> and with notes all over them you know one one book sort of announcing on the front page that this is the worst book i've ever read um there's only one decent page worth looking at and it's page 294 or something so i mean but but then the archive has he's pretty much a pretty I suppose extensive collection of of the architectural projects that he did um, from the nineteen late nineteen forties till two thousand and one, but uh, office ledgers, uh, client lists, and a whole a whole series of incredibly interesting civic projects. So his connection with the moratorium marches, with Dr Spocky's connection with um, the Victoria Street Victoria Street battle. Uh, Wollamaloo, Waterloo, Nimbin, and the Aquarius Festival. And Bill and Cole James were um, did all the infrastructure facilitation there, so the the buildings in the main town, and and then also setting up the tent city for the the visitors to the Aquarius Festival. But this incredible uh, record of his. Connection to community and his attempt at bringing the community together. So from Castle Crag to Paddington to Nimbin, Surrey Hills, and uh, just this just this constant uh, generosity and um, a sort of a generosity with his um, his brilliance and also a generosity, uh, an optimism, uh, like Julie said. Previously, where he where he continued to bring people together, whether they wanted to be brought together or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so interesting.
0: Congratulations to both of you for, for bringing together this 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 legacy. Uh, Peter, Julie, thank you so much. Thanks. Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Peter Lonigan, Julie Cracknell, uh, directors of Cracknell Lonigan Architects, friends of that great man, that fascinating man, Bill Lucas. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.